You're listening to the Turn Again Ministries podcast with evangelist Aaron Pratt. Turn Again Ministries is based out of Fellowship Baptist Church in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is dedicated to bringing America back to its godly heritage. Let's prepare our hearts as evangelist Aaron Pratt brings forth God's word to us today. The Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 4. We're going to go to an old familiar passage. Many, if not all of you, have been through this passage before. Before you've heard it preached before, you've read it many times. It is a parable that is contained in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And verse number three, hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up, and some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground. And did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some an hundred. I said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this blessed book. We thank you for this parable, this parable that can be applied to the world and those who are unsaved and most certainly to us Christians here this morning, Lord. I pray, Lord, that if there is any here this morning that is in doubt of their eternal home with you, then today you would speak that into their hearts, Lord, and that you would reveal to them whether or not they are truly your own, Lord. I just pray that you would convict hearts deeply this morning. That if there is a soul here that does not know you, Lord, that today they would be recognized, that they would be brought before the flames of hell this morning, Lord. And I pray for the Christians this morning. I pray that you would open hearts to what is being said, that you would convict where conviction is needed and encourage where encouragement is needed. We pray for these things in your name. Amen. It is interesting that this particular parable follows an incident, a well-known incident in the life of Jesus. If we back up to verse um, number 31 in chapter 3, it says, There came then his brethren and his mother, standing without, uh, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my mother and my sister and mother. What Jesus is saying here is that there is a family of God and not all those who pronounce themselves to be part of the family of God are not actually part of the family of God. Jesus, if you can imagine, he has done multitude of miracles. He's turning the world upside down. He has fame about Judea, about Israel. The word of Jesus Christ and this man, this Messiah is spreading, and he has multitudes following him. 
following him, expecting to see some kind of great miracle, following him, listening to the truths and the power with which he preaches his gospel and his doctrine. And he gets approached and he identifies those who are part of his family as those who do his will. And then he begins a parable and talks about those who receive the word of God but do so in vain. He identifies four different groups of people. He identifies a group by the wayside that reject the word of God. He identifies a group um, of, uh, gathered among the thorns and the rocks that, that have a false profession of faith. And then he identifies the real genuine conversion of faith. Jesus is identifying in these four scenarios different types of soils, different types of heart for which one rejects it, two receive it, but it's not real, and then the fourth accepts it and it's real. And what Jesus is saying is that not all that call me Lord, Lord are actually not my disciples and the day of judgment I will say to you, depart from me, I never knew you, ye that work iniquity. It's kind of interesting we have a hard time grasping this parable because we cannot imagine somebody throwing seed on a road, the wayside where people travel. We cannot imagine somebody throwing seed where there's a bunch of weeds and such. But this was the way that farming was done back in those days. You just spread your seed abroad. You spread it wherever you could. You had a certain portion of land and you spread it everywhere. Just in case among the thorns there was possibly some good ground. And just in case by the wayside where people were traveling there was some, some good ground. You didn't want to miss the good ground and so you spread it everywhere. We find in this passage that Jesus interprets this parable you can find it in Matthew chapter 13, in Mark chapter 4, and in Luke chapter 8. We find that in each scenario, Jesus interprets this, and he interprets the sower as he that spreads the seed, and the seed as the word of God. And he identifies later that what he's talking about is the genuine conversion, the salvation experience of one who professes the name of Jesus Christ. And he begins by, with those by the wayside. The wayside is that packed down dirt, hard from daily life, hardened. In Luke 8, verse 5, it says, it was trodden down. The wagons of the world's philosophies and the foot stumps of ideologies, man's ideologies that, 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 that speak against the biblical principles of God are in direct comp competition and contradiction of the seed of the word of God here. Beaten down with all sorts of traffic. What sort of traffic? We have here the man in this soil of the wayside, this wayside where you, the man would spread seed, but, but it was not good ground. It was hardened. It was packed down from people walking on it and from wagons moving on it. It was packed down, and it wasn't good ground to actually grow a crop. And we see here that Jesus says, these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard it, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. We have here the man whose heart is full of pride. 
two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not so much as lift up his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You see here that this Pharisee stood in the temple and he prayed. Notice the word here. And he prayed thus with himself. Wasn't a man praying to God. He was a man speaking words that would uplift himself, not speaking words that would put himself in the right position before a holy God. Oftentimes you hear the gospel preached to you and you think, that doesn't apply to me. I haven't heard that. That doesn't apply to me. I'm not really all that bad. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that your sin will take you into a burning pit of fire for all eternity. And the only way out of that is if you make yourself like this publican, like this humble man standing in the temple saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The only way out of the destruction of your flesh for all eternity, the only way out of it is by confessing that Jesus Christ is God and that you are nothing alone, that you cannot work your way out of heaven and you cannot give God help to get you out of heaven. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works. You see, the Pharisee stood in the temple and said, my good works will help me get to heaven. This stony, this hardened soil of pride, of belief in things like evolution and naturalism. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made by things which do appear. We So we have in those who believe that this whole ball in which we exist was something that evolved over billions and billions of years. We have these who, who love to believe these kinds of things because they know that if they believe that, then there's not actually a God that sits and stands in judgment of their sins one day. No creator, no judge. And so the their soil of their heart, when they hear the word of God, they reject it and they mock it because they say, well, that's not me. I'm a good person. That's not me. There is no God. We have those in this world mindset that has influenced many of the thinking, evolution, pride, these concepts, these thoughts have influenced even the hearts of Christians. But this idea that is going about in, in our circles, in our world, in our society, in the United States of America, this idea of pantheism and what springs from that is that, that all are the children of God. That God wouldn't send anyone to hell. You might not believe that God is in all things or that 
all things are God, thus making yourself God. You believe those things, thus making yourself just another little God. We have this infected in many of the minds of those who, who sit in our churches Sunday, day in and day out. We have it affected in us whenever we think that God wouldn't send anyone to hell. And that's actually true. God doesn't send anyone to hell. Man sends himself to hell. God has done everything that he could possibly do. He sent his word. He sent preachers. He sent his only begotten son. And he has crucified that man on the cross so that the word is preached to all men that whosoever believeth in the name of the Son of God shall have eternal life done all that he could possibly do without just overriding your own free will. And there's agnosticism, which breeds its way into the minds of even Christians, and it forms in the minds of the skeptic, the doubting Thomas. And he went up into them in a ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered... For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. You see, there are accounts of Christians throughout this book and throughout the Gospels where they had seen God do miracle after miracle. They had seen God do great things. But then whenever the rubber meets the road and the trials hit in life, they don't believe that what God did before, he could or would be willing to do again. And so we limit the Holy One of Israel by our lack of faith and our skepticism. As a doubting Thomas said, except I shall see in his hands the print of his nails and put my finger into the print of, of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. You have many in this world who just simply will not believe what they cannot see. And Jesus said unto him after he appeared to Thomas, Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. These are competing voices of the world that argue against the conviction of the seed of the word of God placed in your heart. And so when you hear the, the word of God placed in your heart that whosoever shall believe on the name of the Son of God shall have everlasting life, you reject that. You reject that and you say that I don't need the name of the Son of God. I have my own good works. You reject that and say God would never send me to hell. And you are right. You are sending yourself to hell by believing that a hell doesn't exist, that a loving God wouldn't allow people to go to hell. Indeed, there is a lake of fire where many were burned for all eternity in torments that you and I could never possibly imagine. This surface of the heart receives these things and then they reject it just like the soil reject this hard soil would never allow it to get inside and down underneath where it could be watered and it could be nourished and it could grow up into a fruit of everlasting life it will never do that because as soon as it hears the word of God it rejects it immediately the surface is hard and nothing can make an impression on it he heareth, Matthew 13 says, and understandeth it not. 
you hear the word of God preached and you automatically reject it because you do not understand it and because you think that the satanic reasoning inside of your heart that allows you to reject the word of God is greater than God himself. And that satanic reasoning that is inside of your heart with which you reject the seed of the word of God will cause you, unless you repent of it, unless you reject that satanic reasoning, reasoning will cause you to end up in a burning lake of fire for all eternity. Why would you continue to make such a decision? Such a foolish, foolish decision. Satan cometh immediately in Mark 4, 15. In this soil, the birds come and pick it up out of the soil. The Bible says those birds are Satan himself who comes immediately and takes the word of God that could have been planted in the heart, but the heart was not ready for it because the heart believed in other things, other world philosophies. The seed doesn't get buried in the soil and is taken away easily by Satan this means, brothers and sisters, that he, Satan, is in your church. Satan cometh immediately. This means that when Jesus is preaching the gospel to the Pharisees who reject it because of their pride, who reject it because of their own man-made philosophies about what is right and what is wrong, about what is holy and what is unholy, who reject it outright and the naturalist and the evolutionist and the pantheistic mindset that we see in all ages of eternity, even in the times of Jesus, Satan was there taking the seed of the word of God out of the hearts of man so that they would not be converted. This means that in Fellowship Baptist Church, there are times when Satan and his kingdom are moving among us to take the seed of the word of God out of your heart so that it will not bring forth fruit. Satan is more active on one day than any other, then it's got to be Sunday. And it's got to be in our gospel preaching Churches of all of the four soils, this is the only one where the Bible says that Satan is directly involved in taking the word of God out of the hearts to make it unfruitful. Charles Spurgeon said, I would apply this to Christians who demonstrate these characteristics, oh my ears, if you had heard the gospel from your youth, what wagon loads of sermons have been wasted on you. In your younger days, you heard old Dr. So-and-so, and the dear old man was wont to pray for his hearers till the eyes were red with tears. Do you recollect those many Sundays when you said to yourself, let me go to my chamber and follow my knees and pray? But you did not. The fowls of the air ate up the seed, and you went on to sin as you had sinned before. Since then, by some strange impulse, you are very rarely absent from God's house. I submit to you that there are many who sit in God's house from day to day whose the heart of their soil is this hardened soil that rejects the word of God as soon as it's preached to them because they have all of these other philosophies that do not allow room for faith to grow. And no question about it, the interpretation of this scripture is for unsaved people. But there's also no question about it that this applies to me and you, Christian. Me and you, Christian, whenever you hear the word of God preached, 
from this pulpit Sunday after Sunday and pastor opens before you the word of God preaching it showing you Bible scripture verses that confirm what he's saying but you reject it because it doesn't line up with your philosophy and what you think is right or wrong your heart is hard with the world's philosophy the hardness of your pride since then, by some strange impulse, you are very rarely absent from God's house. By now, but now the seed of the gospel falls into your soul as if it dropped upon an iron floor and nothing comes of it. The law may be thundered at you. You do not sneer at it, but it never affects you. You do not sneer at it, but it never affects you. Jesus Christ may be lifted up. His dear wounds may be exhibited. His streaming blood may flow before your very eyes and you may be bidden with all earnestness to look to him and live. But it is as if one should sow the seashore. What shall I do for you? Shall I stand here and rain tears upon this hard highway? Alas, my tears will not break up. It is trodden too hard for that. Shall I bring the gospel plow? Alas, the plowshare will not enter the ground so solid. What shall we do for the hearts that are so hard? Oh God, thou knowest how to melt the hardest heart with the precious blood of Jesus. Do it now, we beseech thee, and thus magnify thy grace by causing the good seed to live and to produce a heavenly harvest. Christian, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If your thoughts do not line up with scripture and you hear scripture preached to you, but you reject those thoughts, you reject the thoughts of scripture, then this is your heart. And nothing can, there is no remedy for you except the grace of God. And you need to pray to the Lord right now as you sit in this moment. If this is you, if you sit week after week and you're unmoved by the word of God, you need to pray to the Lord that he'll break up that fallow ground. Because you can't do it on your own. And then we move to the stony ground. The stony ground, those who would make an emotional decision to follow Christ in verse 16 of Mark 4. And these likewise, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have received the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended, and these are they which are sown, immediately they are offended. Verse 17. Those who make an emotional decision to follow Jesus Christ, but it's not a spiritual one. It's not real. There was joy and emotion at their conversion. Everybody saw it. They had tears maybe streaming down their faces, and they were so glad that they could say that their home was in heaven. But then not long after, because it lacked moisture in Luke chapter 8, verse 6, which means it lacks the Holy Spirit, which means that heart lacks a true, genuine conversion, salvation. And because there is no depth of earth in Mark chapter 4 and verse 5, they make a sudden and quick decision without having any real depth or meaning to it. 
Their confession is just words. And those words might be filled with all the emotion in the world. They might cry and make it so convincing. And they might be so excited to be in church and in the next time and in the next time. But not long after that, inside of their hearts, there's something unsettled because it was never real. There's an ambivalence, a mix of emotion inside of their hearts. Their faith is not real. It is an emotional decision. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. It's not enough for you to just say that I believe in God. It's not enough for you to utter the words that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he died on the cross for my sins. You must indeed, it must indeed reach your heart. It must reach your very soul. And it must reach your very soul to such an extent to where there is a repentance to your faith. And if there is not a repentance, then it was an emotional decision. It was not real. Not root in himself, not genuine faith. If you had root in yourself, then as Jesus says, I am the vine, I am the root. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. But this poor soul who comes to church and sees a conversion and, and everyone is so excited about the emotion and it just seems like they were gloriously saved. The sun is up and they are scorched and they wither away tribulation or persecution because of the word comes and by and by the Bible says they are offended. Offended. When Jesus uses that word offended in the Gospels, you can look it up in the context, he's always talking about where you are so bothered by something that you turn your back and walk away from what you once professed to be true. We see that the apostle Peter on the night that Jesus was, was taken before and tried and then the next day he was crucified, that Jesus Christ said that you will be offended that you will walk away from me. This man whose soil has a hard soil, it's a stony soil, it's a rocky soil, is one whose who's, the, the evidence of their faith kind of shoots up quickly and then it dies away, proving that their faith wasn't actually genuine because if it was, they would stick with it. We see an example of this after Jesus preached that he was the bread of life in John chapter 6 and verse 61, when Jesus knew it in himself that his disciples, his own disciples, murmured at it, he said unto them, doth this offend you? Are you so bothered that I would say I am the bread of life that you would walk away from me? Often in preachers' messages, he preaches the word of God, brings forth to you scripture, and you are offended by it. And you go and complain to him about it. Or you murmur amongst yourselves and, and tell what's 
clearly evidenced in Scripture is not actually true because your emotions don't line up with it. Does this offend you? Doth this offend you? John 6 and verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That was seed sown on stony ground. They were emotional decisions. There were people that just wanted to see another miracle produced by Jesus. They just wanted to see what was going on and what the whole fuss was about. And so they, they followed him for a little while and they made a profession of faith. But when things got hard or they heard something that they didn't like and they didn't agree with, they turned and walked away. They were offended. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. First John 2, verse 19. You're sitting here this morning, you search your heart. Is your heart this hardened ground, this wayside ground where you reject the word of God when it's preached to you? Is your heart this stony ground where the decisions that are made in your spiritual life, you come to the altar and you weep before God, but as soon as you get in the car, you forget about what you prayed? That's an emotional decision, Christian. That is not repentance. For true biblical repentance, it is something that carries on and it produces fruit. It's not something that when tribulation or persecution arises, that your faith that you once professed or your decisions, Christian, that you once professed just dies away and withers away as if it never existed in the first place. Such a faith is vain. Such a decision is vain. I believe that one of the biggest issues that we have in our revival services that we see across the United States of America is we might see altars full on Sunday morning, but then those same people are not coming back on Sunday night to hear the word of God again. See, people, altars full in revival services, but then the very next week they go back to the same things that they confessed to the Lord that they wouldn't do anymore. That's not real. That is an emotional decision. I have made those emotional decisions before. And many, if not all of you, have as well. I have had the stony heart as well. And I have had the hardened heart that sits in my pride and rejects what's being preached to me. I've had that as well. And I needed only but the Savior to break up my, my fallow grounds. And we find a thorny ground. Sown on good grounds. We've finally gotten the good grounds. But it's around thorns and hedges and things that spring up and choke it. Verse 18 in Mark 4. These are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world... 
and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering and choke the world and it choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. Unfruitful. The cares of this world. This is that person who made a profession of faith. They heard the word of God preached to them. They made a profession of faith. They accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. But then there are other things that are competing with the voice of God. There's the cares of this world, the lusts of the flesh, and the deceitfulness of riches that drown out and choke that seed that sprang up into what we thought was true born-again life, but was actually a fake conversion. The cares of this life. And it came to pass that they went a certain way, a certain, uh, as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. The man who is affected by the cares of this world is the man who accepts the word, but with reservations. He's not actually all in. He's not actually repented of the things of this world and the, pleasure, and the pleasures and the lusts of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. These things grow up and they choke out the world. He's not come to the point where he can, where he can understand and profess, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's like the man that Jesus speaks to in Matthew and Mark chapter 10 who comes to Jesus and says, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, You keep the law. Jesus knowing that he hadn't kept the law, and he professes that, Well, I've been perfect from my youth up. And Jesus knowing that the man is lying said, Then Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possession. A repentant and an honest and a good heart, as is described in the next soil that we will talk about, will uproot the cares of this world. Will not allow the world system and what other people view them as, will not allow those things to affect their belief and their faith in God will not allow the opinion of their peers and the criticism of their peers to affect where they stand with God. They will not allow the cares and the lust of the flesh to overrule them. They will not allow the riches of this life to take away their love for God. 
If it's genuine, these things will not conquer you. If it's genuine and true, repentant faith, then these things will be rooted out and Jesus Christ will spring up inside of you a life that is fruitful, a life that lasts, a life that's not taken away, a, a, a profession that is not offended and walking away from whenever the things in life get hot and tough. I remember years ago, I was door knocking in Maryland and I ran across the man who said he was an agnostic and we uh, ended up leading him to the Lord and this man was a crackhead and it seemed like there was fruit there for just a few moments, just a couple weeks and then he was right back into his crack addiction robbing a taxi cab driver at gunpoint so that he could get money for his crack and heroin. I tell you, I don't know the man's heart. I don't know whether or not he was saved. But according to the Bible, if there is no fruit that lasts, fruit that lasts and doesn't wither away quickly, then he's not saved. And if you're sitting here today and you examine Honestly, have a good and honest heart and examine what's going on in your heart and what's going on in your life. And if you can look at your life and say, you know, I really don't have proof. I really don't have fruit as a Christian. I made a profession of faith years ago, but I really don't have much fruit. Then your conversion may have not have actually been a genuine conversion. Because a true, repentant, genuine conversion will produce fruit. Listen, brothers and sisters, it's, it's healthy for us to examine our hearts and see where we stand for all eternity. And Christian, it's also helpful for us to examine our hearts and see where we stand as we walk in this daily life because, in fact, Jesus is talking about those who would reject the word of God and end up in hell for all eternity. But the fact is, is that these same hearts exist in our born-again Christians as well. These hearts that reject the word of God because of competing philosophies, the wayside hearer. These hearts that are stony, they make emotional decisions, but they don't last because they're not real. These hearts that, that they make decisions and it seems like there's fruit, but then it's choked out because you love pleasures more than you love God. Because you love money more than you love God. I have a question for you, and I, I know that I'm going to offend many of you this evening, but it's okay. Do you love to watch the Super Bowl more than you love to gather in the house of God and pray? You say, well, it's not that simple. You say, well, I, I can worship God anywhere. At 6 o'clock tonight, are you going to be worshiping God in your home? Is, is that really why you're staying home, to worship God? Let's just be honest, guys. Let's just be real. What is really important to you in your life? As Isaac illustrated this morning, what is important to you isn't, isn't examined, isn't evidenced by what you say. 
It's evidenced by what you do. You say that you love the church of God all that you want, but when the doors are open and you consistently miss because you play golf, you watched a football game, you were hanging out with family and friends, you, you, you did what? what? What was it that was more important than the preaching of God's eternal word? What was it that was more important for us to, than, than us to gather in prayer to beseech a heavenly father that can move mountains and solve all of the in your family. It is amazing to me that we as Christians look around this world and we look around the, the decaying state of the United States of America. We can do that and we can recognize those things, yet we don't really care enough to gather together and pray about them. But I'm so thankful for the examples of many of you who do. I'm so thankful for you ladies who are going to meet with Mrs. White on Tuesday and just, my soul, implore our Heavenly Father to turn the hearts of our people upside down. There's no fruit unto perfection in these hearts. Then we find the good ground. These are those who, in verse 20, these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. I used to ask myself the question, why 30, why 60, and why 100 fold? And I used to think that a man like the Apostle Paul would be a hundredfold Christian and, and a man maybe that's a deacon in the church or who's cleaning the church would be maybe a thirtyfold Christian, that it had something to do with the lot in which God has called you to. And I realized this week that that is false. Your fruitfulness as a Christian has nothing to do with what God has called you to do but it has everything to do with whether or not you are faithful to what he's called you to do. Your fruitfulness as a Christian has nothing to do with how many souls that you've won, how many check marks you can put. But it has everything to do with you abiding in the vine. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me shall bear much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. A 30-fold Christian is a Christian who has a genuine conversion, but he is a carnal Christian almost his entire life. He will produce fruit. It's not accidental. He will produce fruit because he's in the vine, but he is a carnal Christian for almost his entire life. And he'll stand before the judgment seat and Jesus Christ will reveal to him that he could have been a hundredfold Christian, but he chose not to. He chose to reject the word of God when it was preached to him. He chose to implore himself and, and enjoy himself with the cares and the riches of this life rather than making himself available for whatever God would have him to do. He chose to love money more than loving God and so he withheld his tithe and he withheld his offering 
a 60-fold Christian is I believe what most of us actually are. We're people who we attend church and we're faithful to our devotions, but we're not really spiritual Christians. We're not as much as we could be for the cause of Christ. We're not, we're not like the Apostle Paul and the example of those who have gone on before us. Listen, Christian, those examples are written for you in Scripture so that you might attain to that. Not so that you look at the Apostle Paul as some kind of God to where we could never possibly become like the Apostle Paul. It is God's will for each and every one of you sitting here to become a hundredfold Christian like the Apostle Peter and like the Apostle Paul who says, my life is not my own. What I have, I give to you, Lord. I give my thoughts to you. I give my heart to you. I give everything to you on a daily basis. And Lord, I know that I am unclean and I am undone and that there is nothing that I could do that would ever possibly profit you. But I just ask you to take me as a a broken vessel. I know that I'm a misused vessel, but I just ask that you would take me as a vessel and just use me in whatever way that you see fit. If that means cleaning the church, then that's cleaning the church and I'll do it with my whole heart. If that means being a faithful mother and a faithful father and a deacon in the church and a Sunday school teacher, then I will do it with all of my heart, spirit filled for all of the days of my life and then I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and God will say, enter into my rest, you hundred fold Christian has nothing to do with what you're called to do but everything to do with how faithful you are to what God has called you to do yet we see many of us as 30 fold Christians as 60 fold Christians because we allow the soils of our hearts to be hardened when preacher preaches something that we don't like and we don't agree with we reject it we become 30-fold Christians and 60-fold Christians because we allow other competing voices in our lives. We allow the lust of the flesh. We allow the pride of life. We allow the love of money to, to root out that which would spring up into becoming more and more fruitless. And we don't abide in the vine. We don't keep God, God's commandments, but we reject them. And we don't go out in our daily lives and say, I reject God's commandments. We don't say that inside of our hearts, but we demonstrate that with our actions. What kind of soil is your heart? Are you a wayside, hardened heart? Stony heart who makes emotional decisions that aren't real? A thorny heart? Is your heart good ground? Would you ask the Lord to search your heart this morning? As he's already done, no doubt. Search your heart and ask him if there's anything that you need to confess, if there's anything that you need to be ridden of inside of your heart, that he would break that up, that he would do something. You have something inside of your heart, Christian, and you look at it and you say, I don't know how I can change it. But God can. So you say, Lord, I give you my heart and I ask you to change it. I don't like the way that I've become. I don't like the way that I am. And I want to change and I ask you to change it. Please stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed.
You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.